Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. If you Google, who is Jesus, then you'll get about 1,420,000,000 different search results. Probably safe to say that people want to know who Jesus really is. Was he really God's son? Was he a man, but a great teacher? Was he even real, or a made-up story to push an agenda? And these are just some of the most common questions asked about him. But what if we could really know for sure? What difference would it make in our lives? We explore these questions and more in our current series, Who is Jesus? Let's continue the Upward Journey. Well, good morning, Upward. How are we doing today? Oh, some of you are a little asleep still. Others of you are wide awake. Oh, man, it's so good to be with you today. So glad that you are here, whether you're in the room or whether you're joining us online today. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us today and being a part of what God's doing here this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and give you guys a quick update. Obviously, I am not Pastor Andy, right? Uh, you guys picked up on that. Did somebody just say amen? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so it's going to be a good day. Hey, uh, but no, uh, no. obviously I am not Pastor Andy. I uh, want to give you guys a quick update. He is uh, he's still hanging out uh, with his family and being with his mom. There's really not a whole lot of updates to be able to give. Uh, I know we've all been praying for their family as they, uh, during this time of transition. So uh, she's still here. She's still with us. Um, but uh, continue to pray for them during this time. He is still right where he needs to be, uh, being with his dad, being with her uh, by her bedside as they are walking through this time. Please continue uh, to pray for them. He did want me to pass along the message. Thank you so much. This is from him. Thank you so much for your prayers, for your thoughts, for your concerns, the way that you are loving their family uh, during this time. He appreciates so much uh, the calls and the texts and stuff like that that have been coming out as well. So thank you so much uh, for what you are doing to support him and his family uh, during this time uh, as well. Um, also want to say thanks to Pastor Matt. Uh, man, what an incredible job he did last week. Uh, man, what a powerful word, powerful message that he gave last week, and so grateful for him stepping in last week uh, to be able to speak into our hearts the message and the word that God had given him uh, for, for that day. Uh, today, we're going to conclude our Who is Jesus series. We've been in this for the last several weeks, and today we are giving uh, the final message as a part of that, and we're going to have a little bit of fun today. Is that okay? Is it okay to enjoy being together today? All right. Um, how many of you remember uh, the old infomercials that used to come out late at night? Uh, if you're anything like me, you have a little bit of insomnia, not being able to sleep at night, and then you would just turn on the TV for a little bit of background noise, and I would get sucked in uh, to these individuals that were on the TV screen telling me about the newest, latest, and greatest invention and how it was going to change my life and make my life so much better and so much easier. And these guys, they would get their time on the TV, and man, they would just suck me in. And I kind of got to thinking about it, and these were some of my favorites that I wanted to share with you uh, here this morning. My first one is this one. Anybody remember the George Foreman Grill? Hey, hey, why go outside and grill when you can stay inside and grill? And not only that, can you push that thing down and squeeze out all the grease and all the fat out of your burgers or chickens or anything like that? Fantastic. Love it. I still have one to this day, by the way. All right. Uh, how about number two? You might remember this one. OxyClean. 
Hey, hey, listen, all you got to do is have a little bit of OxyClean and it'll get out any stain that you have. And grass stains, oil stains, mud stains, whatever it is, and no scrubbing. You don't have to scrub. You don't have to put the elbow grease into it. You just drop your cloth, drop your clothes into the OxyClean and it'll take care of it, right? I don't know about that. But anyways, that's what they said. All right, how about the third one that we had right here? Now, I got to be honest with you. This one right here might have been my favorite. The Ginsu Steak Knives, all right? And let me tell you about these bad boys right here. The pitch was this. Hey, you can get these steak knives, and man, they're not, they're not just for cutting steak. Oh, no, 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 no. You can take one of these bad boys, and you can cut a lead pipe in half. And then, without ever sharpening it, go ahead and cut a tomato, and it'll cut just fine. You never have to sharpen these things. I got to be honest, I almost bought these. I didn't, but I almost did. All right? And then my last one, and I know some of you still have this one right here, the Snuggie. Some of you still have the Snuggie, like, oh, listen, you know, you're sitting on the couch, it's a cool, it's a cool, cold night, you're sitting on the couch, you reach over to grab your cup of coffee, and the blanket falls off of you. No, 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 no. No longer do you have to do that with the Snuggie, because it is a coat and a blanket all wrapped into one. You can get snug in your Snuggie. And it was, what was funny about all this stuff is that they would get to the end of their sales pitch, right? And uh, they would kind of go down, you think it's, okay, it's winding down. They're going to say, hey, you can have this thing for the low, low price of fi- 15 payments of $19.99, right? I mean, they would kind of get there with it. And, and then it kind of comes to this point, and you think, okay, they're wrapping it up. Am I going to make the deal? Am I not going to make the deal? And then they would say, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. If you order now in the next 60 seconds, not only will you get the Snuggie, but you'll get the travel size Snuggie for your pet for absolutely free. (laughs) You thought you were getting a good deal, and then all of a sudden, but wait, there's more. You were getting a fantastic deal, and now you're scrambling trying to find your phone and your credit card to to buy 14 Snuggies because you're getting Christmas presents for everybody, right? (laughs) That whole line, but wait, there's more, was kind of changing the game a little bit. And I feel like for us, that's a little bit how the last several weeks and what John's been sharing with us. You know, for the last several weeks, we've been going through this series, Who is Jesus? And we've been looking at John's gospel in chapter 1, the first 18 verses. And we've been answering the question, Who is Jesus? by listening to the verbiage from somebody who knew him really, really well. And each week, we would come away with this fantastic description, this idea of getting to know Jesus a little bit deeper, getting to know him a little bit more. And then we would come back the next week, and we would say, But wait there's more. There was a whole new description that we got a chance to sink our teeth into and to get to know Jesus a little bit better, to get to know who he really is, to be able to discover who he is from the vantage point of somebody who knew him really, really well, somebody who had spent time with him. And so over the course of the last several weeks, we've been understanding and beginning to discover that Jesus is a couple of these descriptions. Jesus is the God of the whole world, right? Who's both personal and eternal. And we've also discovered that Jesus is the creator of the whole world, who is both life and light. We've also discovered that Jesus is the lamp. I mean, Jesus is the light, and we are the lamp. We've also discovered that Jesus is the rejected Messiah, who became our redeeming Savior. And then in week five, we discovered that Jesus is the God, who became a man, filled with both grace and truth. And for one more time, let us say, but wait, there's more. We get a chance to look at the last uh, three verses in the prologue of Gospel of John. It's going to be verses 16, 17, and 18, where we get a chance to look at one more description today. But wait, there's more. 
And just as a reminder, man, when we start looking at this gospel, man, we're getting, to, getting a chance to read the words of somebody who spent time with Jesus, who walked alongside of him, who, who surrendered his life to this idea and believed so much that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is indeed the fact, the Savior of the world, that he is indeed the fact, the Son of God, that he surrendered and dedicated his life to making sure that others would hear this message as well, that John didn't just sit back and, and just say, okay, well, I hope this is okay, and he didn't just hear these words and didn't just have his life impacted by Jesus, but he had his life changed by Jesus, so much so that he was willing to surrender the rest of his life regardless of what that meant. Even when the threats came against John, he would not back away from proclaiming the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, even to the point of when they threw him into a, a big old pot of boiling oil where they were hoping to kill him and ended up not taking his life, but then they would seclude him to an island known as Patmos where he would spend his life there. You see, John surrendered and sacrificed his life to this message and this idea that Jesus is the Son of God. And so when we start reading these words and we start hearing these words, it's not just from the fact of somebody who saw Jesus in his best, at the best of times, but he also surrendered his life even when it cost him so much more. So we get an idea to discover and to know who John says that Jesus is. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we hope to be able to answer that question in the affirmative today of who is Jesus, that we know who he is, and we believe who he is, and we know who he actually is. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet as we've done the last several weeks, if you're able, as we prepare to read God's word. And once again, we are just showing honor and reverence to God's word as we read it today. It's John chapter 1 in three verses today, 16, 17, and 18, and here's what it says, out of his fullness. We have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And then as we look at these three verses today, the description that we were going to hold on to, the one that we're going to keep coming back to today is that, is this right here, is Jesus is the full expression of who God is. Jesus is the full expression of who God is. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the day. God, I thank you for those that are here in the room, for those that are turning in on, tuning in online today. Father, allow us to hear from your voice today. We pray that your words would speak to our hearts. God, we move aside every uh, preconceived notion that we have about who you are, and we decide today to know who you truly, really are. Speak to our hearts, change our lives. May your word guide us and lead us today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks so much for, uh, for doing that for me today. I appreciate it. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive right into these verses today. We're just going to take it a little bit at a time, and we are going to kind of lift some of the ideas that John has for us today. And we go back to verse 16, and the very first few words of this is what we get, out of his fullness. His. Who is his? That is Jesus And we bring on the idea of fullness. Man, what does this idea of fullness mean? What is he full of? Well, most scholars believe that verses 16, 17, and 18 actually relay back to verse 14. Uh, Some of them even believe that verse 15 may be even a little bit out of order, out of place, and maybe verse 15 should be after verse 18. And so then it might actually read something like this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it comes right back into this, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. 
John lists two qualities right there, that Jesus is full of grace and truth. But what he's saying here is that out of his fullness is this, is that Jesus is full of the complete nature of who God is. That he is completely full of who God is. That means he's not only full of his grace and his truth, but he's also full of his love, of his mercy, of his righteousness, of his compassion, of his power, of his knowledge. When we look at Jesus, we can see that he is full of God and he's full of everything that God encompasses. When we look at Jesus, we get a chance to see who God is, to get a chance to experience who God is. And we take that into account. We find out that Jesus is full of God. We can back up a little bit and we can begin to look around and we can see and we can know this. You and I are created by that same God. We are created in His image. And when He created us, He made us with certain needs, with certain desires, with certain attributes, right? And oftentimes what ends up happening in our life and in our world is that we find ourselves in a way of trying to pursue things that will fulfill us, pursue things that will satisfy us. We pursue those things in relationships, in jobs, in money, in hobbies, in activities. We find ourselves trying to pursue things that will satisfy and fulfill us. The problem is this, is that in the same way that God filled Jesus, that Jesus is full of God, there is something inside of us that can only be fulfilled with God himself, that can only be fulfilled with a relationship with God. You have needs and desires. There is something inside of you that only God can satisfy, that only God can complete, that only God can fulfill. Uh, we have heard it a couple of different times that, G, uh, that, that Pastor Andy loves to quote the movie from uh, Jerry Maguire, that famous line in there where he looks at her, Tom Cruise looks at her and says, you know, you complete, complete me. And I love it because Pastor Andy will go, man, that's a load of garbage. <laughs> right? Because there's nobody that completes us. It is Jesus who completes us. It's Jesus who satisfies us. It's Jesus who fulfills us. Jesus gets a chance to experience the fullness of who God is. But John goes a little bit further. He goes into a few more details as to how Jesus is the full expression of who God is. And that's where we want to spend the majority of our time today is, is looking at these three specific statements. You see, Jesus is the full expression of God's grace. Jesus is the full expression of the grace of God. We go back to verse 16. Here's what it says. It says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. We've talked a couple weeks ago about what grace is, and we said that it is the unmerited favor of God. That grace isn't something that you and I can earn. That grace isn't something that, that we get based upon something that we do or based upon who we are or a family that we were born into or a church that we attend or a city that we live in. Grace is not dependent upon any of that. Grace has got nothing to do with you. Grace has got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with who Jesus is. Grace is simply based on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and he was willing to sacrifice himself, sacrifice his life on a cross for you and for me. And Jesus freely gives grace to you and to I. That's where grace comes from. Not about us, but it's about him. But then we have this statement here. We have received grace in place of grace already given. When we take a look at that statement, it can literally mean this, grace in place of grace already given, and uh, grace in exchange of grace, or grace on top of grace. Anybody ever been to a restaurant that had kind of like a family-style feel to it? Anybody ever been to one of those restaurants? Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to explain it. Imagine for just a moment that all of us in this room and everybody watching online, that we are sitting around a large table together, 
all right, that we have gone to like a family-style restaurant. It's a large table, all right, I'm going to tell you, all right? But when we get there, we're going to order a couple of the same things, right? We're going to order a couple of meats. We're going to order a couple of vegetables, right? For our purposes today, we're going to get fried chicken, and we're going to get roast beef, all right? Those are going to be our two meats, all right? And then our veggies, because I'm the one up here. We're going to stay away from the greens, all right? But we're going to go with some starches. We're going to go with mashed potatoes and gravy. We're going to go with mac and cheese. We're going to go with some carrots, for those of you people who want the real stuff there, all right? Those are going to be our vegetables. We're going to get some cornbread on one end. We're going to get rolls on the other end. All right, we're going to have all of this stuff sitting on the table. The idea about the family-style restaurant is that everybody's getting their meats, everybody's getting their vegetables, and they're starting to pass the plates around. The moment that your plate, uh, the plate that has the meat or the vegetables on it, starts to run a little bit low, that waiter or that waitress is going to be bringing a whole other plate with those vegetables or that meat right back on top of it. You're never going to run out. It is a limitless supply of food that is coming to the table. I got a couple more hours of being here, and I'm already hungry. It's a problem, all right? It is a limitless supply of the amount of food that comes. It's mac and cheese on top of mac and cheese. It's roast beef on top of roast beef. It's fried chicken on top of fried chicken. It is never running out. You eat as much as you possibly can. You keep it coming until you can't stand anymore. God's grace is in limitless supply. It is grace on top of grace. Anytime you feel like the grace is starting to run out, God is pouring more grace onto your life. The grace doesn't run out. It is a limitless supply. It is inexhaustible, God's grace, into your life and into my life. For those who are believers in Christ, His grace never runs out. One of the hallmarks of any interaction with Jesus is His grace. I think, about, I think about the encounter that Jesus had with the woman who had the bleeding issue for 12 years. For 12 years, she has been sick in her body, and she hears through the grapevine that Jesus is on his way through the town. And so she comes out of her house, which she wasn't supposed to do. She got down into the crowd of people, which she wasn't supposed to do. And she said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, then I know that I will be made well. She does, and immediately her bleeding disorder stops Jesus stops in the crowd. He's felt power leave his body. And he looks around and says, who touched me? This woman comes forward. And she tells Jesus her story. Tells her what he's done. And he looks at her and he says, daughter. For somebody who hasn't had any interaction with anybody in about 12 years, he looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. There is grace there is grace. I, I think about when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's between two thieves. And one of them looks over at him and says, with nothing to be able to offer, with nothing to be able to do, to be able to look at him and say, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? He can't buy his way in. He can't work his way in. There's nothing that he can give Jesus to be able to get his way into his kingdom. And Jesus looks over at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Grace. Grace shows up. Any interaction with Jesus always involves grace. But then the other side of that is this, is that I wonder, kind of coming to the idea that grace doesn't always show up the way that we think that it will. Grace doesn't always show up the way that we think it should. Think about the religious leaders who uh, were surrounding Jesus oftentimes. They got very frustrated and very upset because Jesus was showing grace to people they didn't think should get it. They certainly didn't expect grace to show up as a man from Nazareth who came from the home of a, of a carpenter. And I think about in our lives that grace doesn't always show up the way that we think that it will or the way they think that it should. 
I think about grace showing up in the way, yes, it's the forgiveness of our sins, but sometimes it's the unexpected blessings in our lives, the way that God provides, the way that God heals, the way that God answers a prayer, maybe the way that God doesn't answer a prayer, maybe the way that God answers a prayer in a way that we didn't want, that's still God's grace. I think about the way that God's grace shows up in my life, in your life. And then I not only think about the way that God's grace shows up in my life, but then I think about the way that I'm supposed to show God's grace. I think about Peter. Peter was one of those disciples and uh, oftentimes gets a little bit of a bad rap, right? He's got a little bit of a loud mouth, a little bit brash, oftentimes sticking his foot into his mouth. And on the night that Jesus is to be betrayed, and arrested, and crucified. Three separate occasions, Peter gets asked, hey, don't you know him? Aren't you one of his friends? Aren't you one of his disciples? Not once, not twice, but three times, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. In a moment, in a time of need, Peter abandons him. Peter walks away. But then after the resurrection takes place, right? Jesus pulls Peter to the side and restores him. Gives him, a, gives him a platform back. And for most of us, that would be really, really difficult for us to be able to do. By all accounts, Jesus should not have reinstated Peter. For all accounts, he should not have restored Peter. Peter had let him down. Peter hadn't been there when he needed him. Peter had turned his back on him. Peter had walked away. And yet, Jesus offers Peter grace. And you and I, we've been on both sides of that coin. We know what it's like to be Peter. We know what it's like to... To, not, to, you know, to fall short, to not measure up, to, to, to need grace in our lives, to be given that second, that third, in my case, that hundredth chance. But I think we also know what it's like to have been on the other side of that, to have had somebody let us down, to have somebody abandon us, to have somebody stab us in the back, to have somebody not be there when we needed them. And I wonder how quickly we are to offer that grace to them that we so desperately desire for us. Oh, I, 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 I want God's grace in my life, and I want grace to be given to me, but oftentimes I'm a little bit hesitant to offer that grace to others. And I wonder if we're not called today to maybe have a little bit of a heart check about are we extending grace to the Peters in our lives? My kids have probably been the ones that teach me the most about grace um, I'm still trying to figure this whole parenting thing out, and there are days where I'll be frustrated with something else going on, and my kids will catch me at the wrong moment, and then they catch the brunt of my frustration. I know that's never happened with you, but that's happened a couple times uh, in my life. And oftentimes when that happens, I'll kick myself as soon as it takes place, right? Like, man, gosh, Greg, seriously, again? And so I'll go up to them. Sometimes it just happens with one of them. Sometimes it's both of them at the same time. But pull them in and say, hey, guys, listen. Dad, sorry. That wasn't your fault. That wasn't on you. I was frustrated with something else, and I took it out on you, and that's not right. That's not fair. I'm sorry. I love you. Will you forgive me? And the last time that this happened, it happened probably a couple weeks ago. And I kid you not, my kids, it's with both of them, and they look at me and they say, oh, Dad, it's okay. We know you. I wasn't supposed to be funny, but I guess it is. <laughs> Let's try that again. 
Oh, Dad, we know you. You're a good dad, and we love you. And I wonder if that's not the way that grace is supposed to work. Hey, I think the way Jesus looks at us, hey, I know you. You're a good son. You're a good daughter, and I love you. And I wonder if that's not the way that it's supposed to work from us to others. Hey, I know you, and I love you. Grace is supposed to show up from Jesus to us, but we're also supposed to be those dispensers of grace, that limitless supply of grace that never runs out. Jesus is the full expression of the grace of God, but Jesus is also the full expression of the truth of God. Jesus is the full expression of the truth of God. And then we go to verse 17. This is where we pick it up. This is what uh, John continues to write as he's writing this verse. He says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, as we said last time, uh, grace and truth, they are inseparable, right? They stay together. You can't have one without the other. You can't have grace without truth, and you can't have truth without grace. And, and John indicates that grace and truth, they come through Jesus Christ. And he's comparing and contrasting the law with grace and truth. I think oftentimes, especially now, now, is that the law gets a little bit of a bad rap, okay? When we think about the law, we think about rules, we think about how tough it was, how bad it was, but let's pause for just a moment here before we start going down that hole and remember this. The law was given to Moses by who? Who? God, right. right. The law came from God to Moses, so it can't be all bad, Right? I mean, we, we talk about the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if the law came from God, then it can't be completely bad. So what I may want us to do today is to consider not the law to be a bunch of rules, but view it maybe as this, as the standard by which they were to live by. And standards, we understand. In, in, my, in my house, uh, we, we have a standard of the way that we want to live our lives. We, we talk about that standard with our children, Daniel, and now we talk about the, the standard that we're trying to uphold with our kids. And we let them know, hey, listen, you may not be able to watch a certain show that your friends watch. You may not be able to listen to a song that your friends listen to. And it's not because it's bad or anything like that, but it's because there is a standard by which we are trying to live by. Ever since the fall of man, right, and then God rescued the nation of Israel from slavery, that he instituted a standard by which they were to live by, and that's what we now call the law. The problem was this, is that they could not perfectly uphold the law for a holy God. So God sent his son to fulfill the law, and now his son would provide the standard. The law was an expression of God's truth, and now the full expression of truth had now come through Jesus and he didn't just tell us the truth, he showed us the truth because he is the truth. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he he's trying to comfort them, letting them know, hey, shortly he's going to be leaving. But when he leaves, he's going to a place to prepare a place for them, which one day they will be able to come to and they'll be able to join him. Well, and he, he tells them, hey, you're going to know how to get there. Well, the disciple Thomas kind of looks back at him and says, wait a minute, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know how to get there? And then in John 14, verse 6, here was Jesus' response. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't just show us the truth. He doesn't just tell us the truth, but he is the truth. He is the truth for a couple of things for us to be able to hold on to today. He is the truth for salvation. 
That's not popular. Okay? I understand that. That, that, that. that doesn't always sit well, and I get that and I understand that, but it doesn't make it any less true <laughs> uh, just because it may not be popular, right? But he is the truth for salvation. He is the only way to Jesus. You can't earn your way into heaven. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you can't earn, you can't do enough good deeds, all right? You can't make a way for yourself because we are incapable of that, all right? It is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we get a chance to have salvation, that we be able to get a chance to be restored into relationship with the Father. It is only through His grace, it is only through a relationship with His Son that we get a chance to experience life with the Father. He is the truth of salvation. There is no other way. There is no other religion. There is no good works. There is only Jesus Christ that paves the way for us to have eternity with the Father. He is the truth for salvation. He is also the truth of the standard by which we are to live by today. When Jesus was asked the question, you know, out of all the laws, out of all the commands, what's the most important one? What's the one that we need to hang our hat on? And Jesus looks back at the, uh, those that were asking the question that day, and he says, well, there's actually two. The first and the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. To shorten it up, the two most important things that Jesus told them it was, it tells us today, is to love God and love others. How am I supposed to live my life? Love God and love others. How am I supposed to raise my family? Love God love others. How am I supposed to work? Love God and love others. How am I supposed to serve in my church? Love God and love others. How am I supposed to be a good community member? Love God and love others. Everything else hinges on those two things, to love God and love others. But what I know is, is that that is extremely difficult. It is extremely difficult to love those who disagree with me. It's extremely difficult to love those who I don't get along with. It's extremely difficult for me to love those that have hurt me or hurt people that I love and I care about. Can I just be honest with you? Because I'm going to anyways. My natural in indication when somebody tells me that they've been hurt by somebody is not to say, well, we've got to find a way to love them. I had a friend of mine several months back if you don't think a little of me, you're about to think a lot, a lot more or less of me here in a minute. <laughs> I had a friend of mine a couple months back that came and told me about an individual who had hurt him and he had you know, run into him. And uh, they had an encounter. And my first response was not uh, one of sharing wisdom. <laughs> my first response was, okay, where are we burying the body? <laughs> Guys, I say those words out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, it is not natural for us, it is not normal for us to choose to love those who disagree with us. We cannot do that on our own. It takes Jesus working in us to be able to do that. It is not something that we can do in and of our own strength, but it takes God working in us. That's why grace and truth work together. You see, the truth is the standard by which we are to live by. His grace is what He gives us to be able to accomplish that truth. We can't do it in and of ourselves. Grace gives us the power to live up to that standard. We see it in Jesus because he is the full expression of God. Jesus is the full expression of the grace of God. He is the full expression of the truth of God. And then lastly today, Jesus is the full expression of the heart of God.
Jesus is the full expression of the heart of God, and we get it out of verse 18. And here's what verse 18 says to us, the last verse that we have today. Throw it up here for me. Thank you. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. There's a, there's a contrast here that happens in this verse that I want to make sure that we pay attention to. It's the first part of this where it says no one's ever seen God, and then the last part right here where it says has made him known. There's a difference between seeing and knowing. There's a big difference between seeing and knowing. When I was in high school, I was on, I was on our high school wrestling team. And um, as we traveled around each and every weekend, we would always travel around to these different wrestling tournaments. And it was all across the state. And every single weekend, there'd be these different teams from across the state that would come in, and we would have these different wrestling matches that would take place. And I remember one particular Saturday, we were at a tournament, and I was, going, I was making my way to my mat where my next match was going to be taking place. And I looked up, and my jaw hit the floor. My eyes got really, really big. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I was awestruck. Standing in front of me were two men, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Guys, I was just floored. For some of you, that may not be a big deal, and you don't really care. For me, I was, it didn't get any bigger in that moment right there. I wanted to go up to them. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to, I wanted to ask them questions. Uh, come to find out what was going on is that their sons were wrestling in that same wrestling tournament. But hey, for all I knew, they could have been there to watch me. I don't really know. All right. But man, I wanted to know them. I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to ask them a bunch of questions. I wanted to get their autograph. I wanted to get my picture taken with them. That was all happening in my head. But my legs weren't moving. <laughs> I could not make my way over there to them. And then the moment passed me by. I saw them. But I didn't know them. In the Old Testament, there is a really big deal about not being able to see God. They, uh, uh, oftentimes, there are many verses throughout, throughout the Scriptures that talk about uh, mankind not being able to see the fullness of God. Moses has even talked about not being able to see the full expression of God. But here we get Jesus, and, and in Jesus, we see who God is. We get a chance to see physical uh, uh, God in human form. But I wonder how many people saw Jesus, but never knew him. I wonder how many times people were clamoring around the outside, couldn't wait for Jesus to perform the next miracle. Yeah, Jesus, go heal him. Yeah, I want to see Jesus do something really powerful. I want to see Jesus do something really big. But they never took the time to get close to know him. They would see him from afar, but they would never get close enough to know him. And what I'm curious about and what I'm fearful of is that that has become us as well. That we stand from a distance, that we see God move, and we see, we see God move in other people's lives, and we see God answer prayer. Man, that's great, that's good. But we never get close enough to actually know Him. Because, see, the heart of God is not that just that we see God. The heart of God is for us to know God. That we would know Him through His Word. That every day we would take the time to open up God's Word and be able to read it and allow God to speak to us. And if we're, if we're not taking advantage of those opportunities, those moments to open up the Scriptures and be able to read through it every single day, then we're missing out. That we would that get a chance to know God through prayer. That we would set aside, every time, set aside time every single day to be able to say, all right, God, I'm going I'm I'm to talk to you and then I'm going to stop talking and so that you can speak to my heart. And I'm not talking about an audible voice but that we sense God speaking to us, directing us, showing us things that we never knew. That we get a chance to know God through His people. 
There's something great about coming together in groups like this and getting a chance to worship together every single week. But we also need to be in relationship with people who are doing life alongside of us. And in just a couple of weeks, you've got a great opportunity to do that as we launch our fall semester of Connect Groups. You can go online and check that out. Luke, Pastor Luke's going to talk about that in a minute. But man, we need to be in a place of where we're allowing people to speak into our lives and we're speaking into theirs so that we know God through His people. We might see God, but do you know Him? Do you really know Him? Do you know His heart for you? Do you know His purpose and His plan for your life? Do you really know Him? So, what do we do with this? What do we do with this idea that Jesus is the full expression of who God is? That He's the full expression of the grace of God, the truth of God, and the heart of God. What do we, what do, we do with that? Well, get ready, because here it comes. This whole week, boy, I was praying over this. I praying for some deep insight. Man, it's going to be phenomenal. Get ready. It's going to knock your socks off. You ready for it? Here it is. Get to know him. <laughs> I mean, I, I really did try to come up with something that was just going to, wow. Nope. Get to know him. It's really as simple as that. It is simply taking a step to get to know him. For some of us in the room, for some of us online today, that may be, you know what, I, I, I just simply open myself up and say, you know, Jesus, I've never, I, I, I've never even opened myself up to the idea that there may be something more to life than just what's here on this earth. And I'm just going to open myself up and say, okay, God, if you're real, show me. That's a great step to take. For somebody else, it may be the fact that, you know what, I've been kind of riding both sides of the fence here, and I'm ready today to surrender my life and to say yes to Jesus. Best decision you ever make. For others of us in the room that maybe, you know what, I've already taken that step, but maybe you need to take a step of getting to know him better. Maybe it's making a decision to say, you know what, I'm making reading, the reading of God's word a priority in my life. I'm going to start setting aside time to pray every day. I'm going to get involved in a connect group. I'm going to start serving on a ministry team. Somehow, some way, I'm taking that step to get to know him better. For all of us today, the step is simply to get to know him more than we do right now. Because, as we said at the beginning of the day, but wait, there's more. There's always more when it comes to getting to know who Jesus is. This past week, uh, my family and I, we decided to get away for a few days uh, right before school was getting ready to start back. We decided to get away, and so we went to our happy place. We went down to the beach, and uh, the beach is where my wife grew up. My two daughters, they love the beach, and so I like going to the beach as well. Um, And so, well... (laughs) I mean, I like going to the beach. I just don't like actually taking everything to get on the beach and then taking everything to get off the beach because that is a nightmare and a stress level that only rivals driving on Interstate 26 right now. All right? Um, I mean, you just think about it. You're pulling this wagon, and you've got umbrellas and chairs and coolers and uh, bags of towels and toys and swimsuits and everything and shoes. And, and it's just it, it's not fun when getting on the beach. And once I get there, I'm good. But then I got to get off of the beach. Anyway, so one of the days that we're there at the beach and we're kind of getting everything together and we're packing everything in the cooler, making sure the kids are there, making sure the kids aren't running off and, you know, uh, running to trash cans or running to chase seagulls or anything like that, all right? And so we're getting everything kind of pulled in there together. And so we finally are walking our way back to our condo, which is about a block, maybe two blocks away from the beach. Not that bad, man. It was a great place. And uh, we get there. And then all of a sudden, as we're unloading the wagon, uh, my wife is just running frantically through the house, searching through the bags and searching through the wagon and searching through everything. And uh, I was like, what, what in the world's going on? What, is, what, what, are you, what are you looking for? And she looks up at me, and I mean, she's, she's, she's heartbroken. She's upset. She goes, 
I think I've lost my rink. Now, the ring that she's referring to is the anniversary band that we had gotten for last year, right? And so uh, she is just upset. She's heartbroken, and she goes, I even think I know where it happened. It's like, okay, well, where? She goes, I think as we were packing everything back up, I had it in the shirt pocket, and uh, I think as I bent over to grab something for the girls, it probably fell out there and probably fell into the sand. And she goes, you know, and I'm thinking the same thing. It's in the sand on the beach. See ya. <laughs> and so uh, she keeps looking. I said, well, I'm going to walk back down there just on the off chance that, you know, at least I can say I went down there and tried. And so I'm walking down there, and as I'm walking my way back down to the beach, I'm praying, right? I'm praying, Lord, help me find that ring. Lord, help me find that ring. Lord, help me find that ring. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, there ain't no way. <laughs> ain't no way. Ain't no way. Sometimes I have a faith issue. <laughs> so I walk down to the beach, and I, and I get to about where I think we were at. And I get down on a knee, and, you know, it's like, okay, listen, I'm going I'm to scan it over before I start digging. And so I start scanning it over, and... I look over there, and it's like this little shiny thing that's buried just barely underneath the sand. And I reach over, and I kid you not, guys, I'm there for 30 seconds. I reach down, I pick it up, and there's the rink. God answers prayer. Yes. But I'm walking back to the condo, and I'm, just hold, I'm, I'm holding on to the ring with both hands. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not letting it go. But I feel like God speaks to my heart in that moment. And it's something like this. Son, it's not that hard. Getting to know me is just as easy as finding that ring. We build it up in our minds that getting to know God is this really hard thing. Like, man, he's, God is so vast and so big and so huge. How can I ever wrap my head around that? It simply starts with asking. I felt like God spoke to my heart and said, if my people will just ask me, ask me, and I will show you who I am. So church, if we want to get to know him, all we got to do is ask. All we got to do is ask. And he will show us who he really is. Because there's always more to know when it comes to who Jesus is. Would you bow your heads with me? As we get ready to pray this morning, I want to ask the question. You might be here today. And maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in the room. But you would say this. You know, I'm here today. I'm watching online today. And I've never made that decision to say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never accepted His grace. I've never experienced His truth. Not sure what it means to see the heart of God. But today... I'd like to experience His love and His grace in my life. And I'd like to say yes to Jesus and all that He has for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand where you're at today? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want a chance to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Amen. Can we celebrate that? Celebrate that. Best decision you'll ever make. Best decision you'll ever make. How many others of us in the room today would say this, or how many of us online would say, you know what, I've said yes to relationship with Christ before, but I feel God tugging at my heart that I need to take a step to get to know him better. So I'm asking him today, help me to know you. That's you. Would you just raise your hand where you're at today? Yeah, yeah. Hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you today for what you're doing. 
God, we celebrate you. We celebrate the fact that we can know you, that you don't hide yourself from us, that all we have to do is ask, and you will show us who you really are. Father, we thank you for those that are saying yes to you today. We thank you, God, that you don't just look at us as a lost cause. But, Father, you pour out your love and your grace into us in the same way and the same words that you spoke to the thief that was on the cross beside you. Father, we can have that reassurance today that we will spend eternity with you as we admit that we are sinners, as we believe that you are the Son of God, and that we confess that you are Lord of our lives. Father, help us to take a step to get to know you today. Whatever that step is, however you're leading us today, help us to take that step to get to know you better. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Oh, thanks so much for being here today. If you're comfortable, I ask you to lift your hands as we get ready to do our blessing and commissioning that we do every single week. Father, right now, I bless your people with open eyes and open hearts this week to be able to recognize your grace at work in them every single day. And when they see it, when we see your grace at work, that we would pause and say thank you. Allow us to recognize the unexpected moments of grace in our lives every single day this week. And now I commission your people to go and to not just receive that grace, but to be able to share grace with everyone that they come in contact with, knowing that it didn't come from us, but it comes from you, Jesus Christ. We thank you today for what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week this week. We love you, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.